Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning to each and every one of you. We welcome you as always to Off the Bench, presented by our good friends at United Dairy Farmers and Casey McAllister and Paul Fritzner. Has anybody seen the Bill O'Reilly video? Do it live. Hang on. Hang on. I just want to say this one thing, Tom. I checked it this morning. Something happened between 9.50 and 10 o'clock this morning. Something happened between then. Run I, don't the know, Bill O'Reilly. I, don't, I don't know what happened, but something happened between then. No Bill O'Reilly moments here. <laughs> no Bill O'Reilly. We've already had more than our fair share of moments. We don't need any more. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 A to 12. P. And that is Eastern Time. You can join us on YouTube. That's a Chatterbox Sports page. Or if you'd like to join us in podcast form, by all means, just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Feel, what's this right out of the gate? Tom, take it easy on the ham and eggers, sir. Boy, wonder. <laughs> I mean, is this participation trophy stuff here? $1.99. We're taking it easy on him. All right, look. Did you catch all this talk in the Reds clubhouse and then in some of the interviews they had after the game last night? By the way, the fifth win in a row. Apparently, around the clubhouse, the Reds are calling themselves America's team. I love it. Why not? Why not? This team has exceeded expectations. They start the year 7-15. and 15. They're winning despite the fact that their starting pitching has some of the worst numbers in all of baseball. And they have hit the third fewest number of home runs among all teams in all of baseball. Yet, they win, they win, and they win. They've won 8 of their last 10, 13 of their last 19. And don't look now, but after last night's 7-4 win to complete a three-game sweep in Kansas City, the local nine are a game and a half out of first place in the National League Central. Going against the grain last night, Red Legs hammer four home runs, including back-to-back -back shots for Matt McLean and Jonathan India. They got good starting pitching for a change. Ben Lively, he had to pitch around four errors on defense last night. Reds are 5-1 and one on this road trip against, let's face it, two dreadful teams. I mean, the Cardinals and the Royals are horrible. Now, that changes starting tomorrow night. As the Reds go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the defending world champion Houston Astros, rookie sensation Andrew Abbott gets the ball in the series opener tomorrow night. Chris Welsh, television analyst, I think working on the radio this past series, but I'm sure back on TV, I would think, tomorrow night will join us from Houston to talk about the red hot red legs tomorrow. Tell you who's not hot, the Milwaukee Brewers and St. Louis Cardinals. The Brewers lost their sixth straight game yesterday, a 4-2 decision in Minnesota. And then there's St. Lou. What do you think they're saying right now in St. Lou? Remember they started terrible? Then they started to play well. They came in here kind of riding high, right? Win two out of three. They win two out of three or lose two out of three here. I'm trying to remember, I'm getting the series confused. I think they won two out of three here. 
And then the Reds beat the Dodgers after that before going on the road trip. Yeah, I mean, you're thinking, all right, they're going to get it together. Well, yesterday they led the Giants in the ninth inning with two outs, five to three, and lost the game, eight, five, and 10 innings. Check out this note. The Cardinals are 27 and 42. It is the first time since 1997. Now, look, you might hate the Cardinals. I don't, you know, whatever you want. But how mind-boggling is this? It's the first time since 1997 that the Cardinals have been 15 games under 500. Can you imagine that? 1997. How many of those years have we had around here? Right? Where you're, you're 15 under before a blink of an eye. The Oakland A's, they're heading out of Dodge. The final hurdle was cleared yesterday when the Nevada State Legislature gave the final approval to public funding on a new stadium deal in Las Vegas. It's only a portion of public funding compared to what the ownership is going to spend. Groundbreaking on a new 30,000-seat retractable dome stadium is expected soon. The world's best golfers gather this morning in L.A. In fact, they're starting, uh, they're already underway. And this is the best major of all of them. It's a third of the year. Why is it the best major? Because it's the everyman's major. They have qualifiers all over the United States. Guys that you go around that are out there hacking. They at least have a chance to qualify for the U.S. Open. The sport is still reeling, however, as players from both the PGA and Live Tours are trying to find out how this merger is going to work, if it works at all. More on that later. Government's getting involved now. Los Angeles Country Club is hosting the 123rd Open for the first time ever. It's the first PGA Tour event at the Country Club since 1940. So there's a lot of mystery about this course. The city itself hasn't hosted a U.S. Open in 75 years. One interesting little footnote here. There's Bermuda grass as the rough off of the fairways. And you say, why is that a big deal? It's the first time that's held true in a U.S. Open since 2005. Four-time PGA winner and a guy right now tearing it up on the seniors tour. Steve Flesh will join us today at 1045. All right, we've got hundreds if not thousands already. Gentlemen, good morning. Casey, Paul, Elliot, Jacob, how are we looking, man? Looking great, Tom. Another Reds victory. Another Reds victory. I, I think you said it. I don't think I, the Reds have had so many bad seasons in the past 25 years. The Cardinals are just experiencing their first. It feels so good to be on the opposite side. So good. You were saying that for you, the Cardinals are like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, when I, if I rank the teams I, I hate the most, I would put the Cardinals and the Steelers right there in Tier 2 right below Michigan. And that's, and that's the big three. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, no no fondness for the Cardinals. So reading that Jeff Passan tweet last night about them being 15 games below 500 really made me smile. Oh, I think Joel Luckup was the guy who initially got credit for that, if I'm not mistaken. I used to sit next to him in the booth uh, at the ballpark uh, as a statistician for Bally's. He is still doing that. Um America's team. Jonathan India came out with Jim Day right out of the gate. 
on the postgame last night, standing there next to Matt McClain. Uh, Gordon Wittenmeyer, who used to work in Chicago as a writer, now he's at Cincinnati.com. He's covering the team. He wrote extensively about it on Cincinnati.com today. What are your thoughts, Paul, Casey? want to hear from you guys, too, because, Jacob, I think you made the best point, most interesting point of all. You know what? Let's start with you. I was asking you what you thought about it this morning, and you said that if one of the other teams in the division, you said something along the lines that if the Cardinals were calling themselves the oh, Maryland. All right. Absolutely. Okay, come on, Jacob. Yeah, sorry. God almighty. Between <laughs> you and Casey and Paul. I was, I I mean, sure good Lord, I take one day out of here, and I come <laughs> back, and it's like Cheech and Chong movie around here. I, we're I wasn't back sure, in the saddle. Wasn't sure what you were getting at there. But all yeah, right, no. go ahead. So – you know, I love to see the Reds call themselves America's team. It's fun. But if the Brewers, the Pirates, or the Cardinals, teams I hate, were walking around calling themselves America's team after sweeping the worst team in baseball and being a game below 500, I would be tearing them apart on Twitter and on this show probably. So I'm going to hold off a little bit. Um, it's fun, but let's at least get to 500 first. Yeah, I would have to agree. I think it's kind of silly. But, again, we haven't seen this kind of excitement in such a long time. I think it's kind of breaking people's brains a little bit. So if, if that's what it takes, a little bit of fun here, that's okay. I'll, I'll, we'll be America's team for a bit. We just need to – we can't get swept by the Astros now. We can't be America's team and then just get swept again. So Yeah, I so. mean, there's a danger when you're doing that, though, but I like the youthful enthusiasm about the whole thing. You know what I mean? I mean, it's kind of a rallying cry for the town that's been so, so down on the franchise for so long. What do you think about it? I, I agree. I, I – I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think they're finally, they're winning. The, the being below 500 thing is a tough pill to swallow. I'll say that. The, the being, you mean calling yourself America's when you're team calling, you're a game under 500? Even if you're one game above 500. But being 34 and 35 or whatever the record is right now, and you're one game below 500, and you're calling yourself America's team. Now, all right, I, I'm on board though. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm on board. I'm I'm riding with it. Why not? I think we asked the question back when they were seven and fifteen. Will this team ever get close to five hundred again on this season? You're thinking, uh oh, are they going to slip to yeah. ten or fifteen yep. games below? Kind of like last year where they dig themselves in so big of a hole early, then they play really well through the summer months, and then August September roll around, they're not playing as well anymore. Why not roll the dice? I mean, this is fun. I'm not going to criticize it. Casey, I mean, you, you uh, acknowledged before the season started that this year you were going to get into baseball for the first time ever, right? That's right. I mean, you've gone to a ton of games. I mean, I can't speak for Jacob or Elliot, but uh, as far as the rest of us around here that have been here a while, you've been to more games than anybody. Yeah, that's correct. And, and, and you've been tweeting out that, that it's must-watch TV all the time, right? Yeah. So what are your thoughts about America's team? America's team. Um, I don't know. I think America's team is the Cowboys, right? I mean, I don't know. I just yeah. And how have they done lately? Right. I don't know <laughs> if that's a name you want to hit yourself onto. Truth be told. Yeah, I mean, that's what. That's kind of they've been like awful since Aikman left. I almost cringe a little bit. I'm. I. They're not even above five hundred. They're really fun to watch, but they're not America's team. They're our team. As cheesy Ooh, as that sounds. They're no, Cincinnati's I don't think that's team. cheesy at all. I like it. The Cincinnati's team, and we, we've, I say we, 
because I'm speaking generally to the fans, not, not the team itself. We, the fans, have had to sit through miserable years time and time again, and now we are reaping the benefits of them having somewhat good management and having good talent come up through their, their, their farm system. Farm system. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just – it's Cincinnati's team. It's not America's team. It's, it's Cincinnati's team. Well, you know, the thinking behind the whole thing, America's team, is, I mean, we knew the expectations were very low going into the year. Then, like you pointed out, Paul, I mean, you start the year 7-15, and 15, right? And now, all of a sudden, you start getting these young guys, McLean, Steer's been just solid all year long. Uh, and we know about De La Cruz, which, by the way, um, Baseball America released its list of top 100 prospects. And that's all teams in baseball. The Reds have seven of the top 100. Now, they include De La Cruz and McLean in this list because they are newcomers to the major leagues. Nonetheless, seven out of the top 100. Now, I will say that I don't put a ton of stock into that list every year because I can recall many years working inside the sport for different teams where, say, your team only had three. And then within a year and a half, you got like five, six, seven guys that are bona fide studs, and they weren't on that list. So, look, it's an imperfect science. Nobody expects Baseball America to be able to nail every one of these in order. I was surprised Encarnacion Strand was ranked in the 90s. It's hard to imagine that there could be 10 guys that you would look at as a big-time prospect right now in the minor leagues. I'm going to take De La Cruz and McLean out because they're in the big leagues. But what this guy's doing down there, how's he in the 90s? That's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, at the end of the day, if you rank 90th or third, what, what the hell is the difference, right? You're still just a prospect on somebody's list. Um, you know, but the Reds start the year. Uh, Nick chimes in. I'm assuming this is right. 7 and 14, 27 and 21 cents. No one in the division has been nearly that good. But now all of a sudden, fellas, um, l- l- let's start on a t- couple of topics here. Um, anybody in this rotation you'd rather have getting the ball in game one than Andrew Abbott tomorrow night in Houston? Not right. This I'd rather second. have him than Hunter Green tomorrow night. And not right this second. Not the way he's going. What, he hasn't allowed a run yet? So yep. why not throw him out there? I mean, Hunter... Of the guys that are in the rotation, which, by the way, I don't know if you saw the update on Nick Lodolo. Now they push it back to the well, beginning Well, we of talked August. about this before. Well, yeah, I mean, this, this, exactly this is a time game from the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm not patting myself on the back because I'm wrong a lot more than right. But, I mean, I, I – and it's going to be longer still. I mean, I hope and pray for the kid. I want to see him get back. But it, this is going to be a long You game. think it's season ending? I would not be surprised. I don't want to say that for sure. But, I mean, the way it's looking – because here's the thing that people a lot of times um, forget, and it's easy to forget, um, about injuries like this. Is it's really two injuries in one, okay? Or two, quote-unquote, rehabs in one. Let's put it that, – that, that's more accurate. You get a rehab from this stress situation he has in his shin. So that's number one. The last time the Reds were in town, like Charlie Goldsmith was with us. I mean, Lodolo's still in one of those scooters. You know, you, you'll see people who have some kind of Achilles tendon or whatever it might be, and, 
and all of a sudden they've got one knee down on this scooter and they're cruising around. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I've, I've been in it many, many, many times. Um, so you got to come back from that. But then for him, because he's a pitcher, he's going to have to go out and start building up innings. This is really um, a longer recovery just from an arm strength standpoint than going into spring training and trying to build up innings. Because, I mean, look, they've got him doing exercises. He can do things with his shoulder and his arms and all this kind of to, – to, to, to keep it strong. But it's an entirely different thing to, to now start throwing, you know, one inning, two innings, four innings, five innings. And when you're going every fifth day, once you go out on your rehab assignment, you're not going to bring him back up here until he has a solid five, six, seven, eight starts minimum under his belt. Well, do the math. Let's say it's five, and that's a low end. Five multiplied by six, if you include days off. There's a month alone where he has to build up arm strength to get back into the major league rotation. So if that's a month, we're sitting in the middle of June, so no doubt move that to the middle of July. And I don't know how long this thing with his leg is going to take. There's no way you're looking at, no chance you're looking at Lodolo before August 1st. None. I think it's a stretch for September 1st. But look, I don't want to sit here and harp on the stuff that, that, that you know. I mean, the, the guy's not here, and they're still winning games. Um, but this is where now the rubber does meet the road. Because, you know, we talked about expectations can be very, very dangerous. You know, good and bad. Like, I mean, think of what our expectations are for the Bengals, as an example. They are off the charts, here to the moon, right? Okay, well, what happens if, hmm, we don't think that'll happen, but now all of a sudden, these expectations with the Reds, which let's face it, 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 it was below an unfinished basement. And now all of a sudden, put a little carpet down there in the basement. Now all of a sudden, you do a little drywall down there in the basement, cover up those concrete walls, right? Now all of a sudden, you... You know, you're adding some, some nice pictures and a little bit of furniture down there. Right now, here we go. We're moving up. What happens now? I mean, let's be honest. Elliot, you're a fan. I want to hear from all you guys. Where they are now, game under 500, we all agree you're not going anywhere, period, until you get over 500, okay? But that could, they could be a 500 team by tomorrow night at 11 o'clock. Because they're off today. Um, what do you expect now? Yeah, I, I expect I expect the Reds to to keep rolling a little bit. I, I do think they're good. You look around the National League. I mean, there's not that many great teams. I think there's five teams total right now with a positive run differential. That's it. Just five out of the whatever fifteen teams. So I think the Reds do have a chance. I think the schedule gets tough. Reed alluded to it yesterday. There's a lot of games against really good teams coming up. You have to at least – you have to just try to play 500 ball the rest of the way. If we can play 500 ball, it's going to give us the chance. It's going to give us the opportunity. The door will stay open. Do I think it'll happen? I don't know. Astros on the road, that's going to be tough. Uh, Paul said it yesterday. We have six games with the Brewers, three before the All-Star break, three right after the All-Star break. There's a couple giant series from now until then – we just have to keep playing 500, keep keep our heads above water, 
Don't get on. Don't get in any any ruts. Don't get any skids. Don't go any on, on any three game losing streaks. I do think the Reds can make the postseason. They can win this division. The division's a disgrace, respectfully. And I I, I think there is hope. Just keep your head above water. Respectfully, you mean no respect. That's correct. Whenever I say respect, I mean no respect. But I'm going to say respect so people think I'm respectful. What are your expectations, Paul, now? I mean, they've changed. They've had to change. I will be completely honest with you, Tom. I don't expect them to win the division necessarily because they are, I think, still a, a ways away as far as the pitching is concerned. But my expectations for this team have changed. It's hard for me to say that I expect them to make the playoffs because that makes it sound like I'm disappointed if they don't make the playoffs. Let me let me throw this question at you, though. We're 69 games into the season. Is this season already a success? I think so. I think so. I mean, the, the end goal of this season, Nick Kroll said it before the season, was to get these guys up and get them valuable experience before 2024 and 2025 when we really want to compete. We've now done that in June. Like we're two, we're two weeks into June, and these guys are already getting experience. They're going to have 100 games under their belt. And we were thinking, hopefully, they were going to get 50 or 60. Like, I don't know. I, I think there's a hard way to, to spend the season. Even if we – I mean, even if we do miss the playoffs. Like Paul said, you don't expect this team to win the division – I really want this team. I want to be watching game 155 with some meaning. Like the last couple of years, I've been watching game 90 with just praying for my over 62 wins bet. Like the like, just being in the playoff hunt with a couple weeks left is where is my expectations for this team. Could the, could it be a failure of a season at any point if the Reds, with all the hype that's that's here right now, with all the excitement, with how well we've been playing? Could this season still end up as a failure if we go on an, uh, just a, a, a disgraceful run? If we just if we lose, I don't know, fifteen to twenty. Well, that's if we, what sta- if we start just absolutely tanking. Do, do we do we lose the success of the season? See, here's where I think though you have to when you ask that question is that the first thing we're all going to look at will be wins and losses. And and that's what it should be, because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. But, but, if you're asking, is it a failure? Or or could it be, okay? There are certain things that whether they win the division or not, I think will, for the fans out there, for the hope of 2024, there are a number of individual players where, or areas of a team where it's really going to determine the answer to that question. I mean, just, just, just go start with the, with the starting pitching. What if Abbott is like he's been? And I don't mean not allowing a run. But what if he is the real deal over the back half, last hundred games of this year, pitching every five days? What if Hunter Green looks like the guy you thought he would be? He's been good his last three starts. Got backed up the one start, but looked good. Three starts in a row looked really good. How they look at Lively, how they look at Williamson, how they look at Weaver, I don't know. So if Green were to finish the season strong, okay, check. You feel good about it, right? 
If Abbott pitches well, check. Feeling really good moving forward. If Ashcraft comes back and, and gets on track, check. Okay. Now you start going position players. Or no, let me back a minute. Bullpen. Now here's the one where right now they have pitched the third most innings in all the Major League Baseball because the starting rotation has been so bad. I think the starting rotation has the third or fourth worst ERA in Major League Baseball. The bullpen has been unbelievable. Unbelievable. They got guys down there, and this is something that people used to say to me all the time when I was in my broadcasting career, is you have to be very, very careful of judging what a guy is going to do next year if he's coming off a career year. Now, for some of these guys, it's their rookie year or their second year. But let's use Buck Farmer as an example. Buck Farmer's having a hell of a year, right? He is having a hell of a year. I know he gave up the home run the other night, but I mean, this guy's ERA is, what, 2-3? He's had a hell of a year. Well... You look at a guy like him and say he keeps pitching like this the rest of the way. And you know he's going to be in your bullpen next year. Can, can you count on it? Or what if the wheels just completely fall off this bullpen, right? Which means you're going to start losing some games. Well, then all of a sudden, a lot of that hope starts to get diminished. So, Paul, in a very long-winded answer, right? De La Cruz and McLean have set the world on fire. What if they're just okay the rest of the way? I want to know by the end of the year, while you're competing, you know, we're going to learn about McLean and De La Cruz because they're going to play every day. Steer's going to play every day, okay? Now, all of a sudden, they're faced with Senzel, Myers. All of these guys are due to come off. Vado is swinging the bat very, very well. Is that going to stunt the potential promotion, playing time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? For a lot of these guys that you want an answer on by the end of the year, right? Yeah. So I, I, I think that there are so many ways to look at how you're going to judge it besides just wins and losses before the season is over. Is any or all of that or none of that make sense? I think it makes sense. And I think that's what I go back to where I say, okay, on the 69th game of the season, which is where the Reds just finished last night, the Reds now sit a game below 500. You've called up the number one prospect in baseball. You have potentially two rookie of the year candidates, yep. depending on how Ellie adjusts to well, major three. league pitching. Three, yeah. Spencer Steer, Matt McClain, right. Ellie De La Cruz. Andrew Abbott, four. Yes, exactly sure. right. It's yeah. happened before where guys have come up right around the, the, the middle of the year and, they, and they've been the rookie of the year. That stuff has happened. Or a Cy Young winner coming over from somebody else. So you have at least three, no matter how you spin it. And you say to yourself, okay, one game below 500, a lot of positive fan momentum, a lot of things going your way, and a division that's terrible. Really, really bad. Yep. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment and then sit here on August 15th like we were talking about yesterday. Tom, I posed the question to all these guys yesterday that the, the Reds' win total is 65.5 for the season. They have 51 games, well now 50, between last night and August 15th. Would they get 
to their win total by August 15th. And Reed was pointing out how difficult the schedule is. You got to play the Dodgers, you got to play the Astros, you got to go back in the division. Reds have not played. Call the Brewers and the Pirates what you want. Reds are three and eight against them this year. They've not played well against the division. Flip that to eight and three, and we're an entirely different ballgame. No right question. Now. Play the what if game all day long. Yep. My point with all of this is. I think the Reds and their fans need to understand where the Reds are right now and what they are doing. And if things go sideways, as long as things don't go sideways to a significant enough amount that you can tell that it's going to weigh on this team in the future. If, it, if things go sideways in the sense that they end up on the season 10 or 12 games below 500, all right. Like, that means they didn't play great from here on out. But they also have a very tough schedule. They're not beating the Royals. They're not beating these teams. Now, they did just take two out of three from the Dodgers. So, as bad as the pitching is, as bad as a lot of this seems like on paper, they're just finding ways to win games. Yeah, there's no doubt. And so, to then go back and say that this season would be a failure to do a revisionist look at this at the end of the season, depending on how it shakes out, I think there is a very, very good case to be made that's 70 games into the season, 2023 is already a success. Unless they end up 25 games below 500. I mean, really tank the rest of the way. But I just don't see that happening with this club. I just don't. I don't either. And I, and I got to tell you, I mean, uh, Social Elite is a uh, newcomer, I think, to the uh, chat. He or she, she says, you went from hoping to win 66 games, to now saying they should be 500 and potentially get in the playoffs. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. My expectations of this team have changed enough where now, and I look at their talent compared to the Pirates, their talent compared to the Brewers. I mean, do the Cardinals have a run in them? I don't know. Their talent compared to the Cubs. My expectations have changed dramatically. This team, to Jacob's point, game 155, barring now the unforeseen, guys getting hurt, okay? But the roster they have right now with the potential addition of Ashcraft in the short term, and we'll see about him. I'm not, I'm not buying into him, but we've seen him good. I'll give him that much, and he's still young. My expectation of this team now is getting in the playoffs. This division stinks. I mean, it, it would be no different if you're playing in the American League Central. Put the Reds in that division for a minute. And that division's worse than the National League Central. I mean, would you put the, the, the Reds up against Cleveland? Against Minnesota? We've already seen the White Sox. And the Royals? Okay, now, we're not talking about going and playing in the National League West here, where Arizona uh, is the single biggest story in Major League Baseball. I mean, they're playing in a division where everybody and his brother is spending $200 million on a team payroll, $150 million or more, right? And the Diamondbacks are blowing the doors off everybody. Now, will it last? I don't know. But they're, they're as young, if not younger, than the Reds are. 
especially in the rotation. Now, you talk about young pitchers that are pitching now. Go look at the numbers in Arizona, what they're doing. But anyway, and you're not talking about playing in the American League East here, where Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. Yankees are the Yankees. Baltimore, Baltimore, right? I mean, even Toronto, you want to go play them in in a three-game series somewhere and, you know, expect to win two out of three? So when I look at what you're contending against, even though they've decreased the number of games you play against your division rivals, and Paul, you point out, they have not played well against their division rivals, at least the Pirates and the Brewers. But it's only 11 games, and so sample size is what it is. I look at this team now and I say to myself, I think it is starting today as we sit here in the middle of June. I think it would be a disappointment if the Reds don't make the playoffs. Wow. I do. They have better talent. Talent. Or as good a talent. Let's put let, let, let's just go with that. Okay. They have every bit as good a talent that takes the field. They don't have a star at every position, but I tell you what, they're knocking on the door of having stars at for sure three positions. And, you know, we'll see how it continues to move with Stevenson. He's as big a part of this team moving forward as anybody. Because if he can get this thing rolling, he's been better, better lately. But they need him to be a force in the lineup. A fo- you know, to hit home runs, take the doubles. Take the doubles. Take the base hit going the other way to drive in a run. He doesn't hit the ball in the seats. So, yeah. I mean, what would make you, you're a big baseball guy, Paul. Yeah. What would make you believe that they should lose to the Brewers or the Pirates? What did they have? Now, the Brewers potentially, you know, that starting rotation supposed to be really good. But they've not been. When you look right now, if you had to play a best of seven series tomorrow, what would make you think, or do you think, that the Reds would not be a favorite against the the, the Brewers or the Pirates? They would be. Okay, well, if that's the case, then why is the expectation for you not at this point in time, middle of June, why not the expectation is go win it? Go win it! This is go time now. I mean, nobody thought you had a chance. And to all of a sudden to say, well, boy, our schedule's tough. Shit, everybody's playing the same schedule in Major League Baseball now. You're playing the same number of teams in your division, and you're playing the Dodgers six times just like everybody else is. You're playing the Padres six times like everybody else is. You're playing the Yankees. Everybody else is. At this point in time today, this is go time for the Reds. If this team finishes 15 or 20 under 500, I don't care what they did last year. I don't care what the expectation is for this year. If they finish 15 or 20 under from where they sit here today, this season is a disaster, in my opinion. It's a tremendous letdown. Put the best players on the field and go play. And right now, from a talent standpoint, in my Humble opinion, or not so humble opinion, the Reds have the best talent of the teams they're competing against directly in their division. 
Can so, I ask? Yeah, find me a brick wall. Fire me up, <laughs> Tom. You're in. By the hype, Look, Tom. I'm not sitting here cheerleading. You guys know me better than that. I try to separate myself from the whole thing. But has anybody watched the Pirates or the Brewers? Has anyone watched the Cubs? These teams are not very good. They're just not. Can I ask you a question? Then, of Tom? course. And we want to take a break before we get to Steve Flesh. Because if that is how you feel now, because you weren't feeling that way a couple days ago. No, it wasn't a couple of days ago. Well, a week ago. No, whatever. a week and a half ago. And I think that that was fair. De La Cruz was not here. They were not playing well. They were losing to teams. They got embarrassed by a couple of teams. Everything can change on a dime right now. I agree with that. I'm just asking now, what are you doing at the deadline then? Are you, there's a lot of still conversations about India being traded. Are you trying to find a starting pitcher? Because if the disappointment now is going to be that we don't make it to the playoffs, we don't win the NL Central, shouldn't we be doing everything we can to win that? Well, I think what you need to do is you need to see, look, and they've got, they've got a little more than a month to see where they are. Okay. They've got a little more than a month. If the wheels fall off, you got to give serious consideration to, and look, Nick Crawl is, pro if you just even look at the guys in the minor leagues, some of the deals he's made where the Reds traditionally have not been great at those kinds of deals. If the wheels fall off and they're eight, nine back, third or fourth in division, by the time you get to the end of July, I'd start wheeling and dealing. India, gone. Alexis Diaz, gone for me. Because you can find somebody to close. You'll find somebody to close. And, you know, so, but... If, if you get to that point and you're right there, say where you are today, say you're a game under 500, you play 500 baseball right now for the next month. Okay. Yep. All right. And you're a game and a half, two and a half out of first. There are going to be some minor leaguers going to get shipped out of town to give me a chance to win this year. I'm not talking about emptying the barrel here. I'm not talking about that. The Reds have enough prospects down there where once the Reds determine, okay, really at the end of the day, and I'm taking De La Cruz and McLean and all those guys out of there. Abbott, the end of the day, if you rank one through 10, who you think, and you better know your organization better than somebody else does. If you say to yourself, these are my top three guys and under no circumstances am I going to trade. Okay, then put them on a different shelf, right? But the other six, seven, one or two of them I make available. Roll the dice. Try and win it this year. Absolutely. All right, we got Steve Flesh coming up. You guys continue this, Ham and Eggers. Uh, take it away. Take it away, man. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. The hype's been bought, boys. The hype has been purchased, and it is not on layaway. There are no returns. There are no, no returns on the hype. Uh, and also, have we talked about the Bengals yet today? Do we want to – let's flip a coin. Is it the Bengals or the Bearcats report today? We'll probably oh, wait, no. It's, it's uh, Tracy Jones is on today. And Tracy Jones is brought to you by Encore Technologies. 
Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. That's right, Casey. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Also, there is uh, Pawnee Water. Let me pull it up. Pawnee Water. Pawnee Water. Pawnee Water. Pawnee Water. Drink Pawnee Water. It uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at pawneewater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy it in stores. And also tonight is Thursday night, which means it's a River's Edge concert series night. They are the official presenting water of the River's Edge concert series. I think tonight's the Led Zeppelin cover band. Go out there, listen to Led Zeppelin, and uh, drink your Pawnee water. We also have a little bit of breaking news. If you were listening to uh, Chatterbox Reds last night. Very exciting. At the very end of the show, Nick and Trace were talking about potentially getting together Getting the Chatterbox crew, getting all of us that are watching the show, the Chatterbox Reds crew, the Off the Bench crew, all of us, going out to a Reds game. Well, that has been secured. July 17th, it's a Monday night against the San Francisco Giants. Let me double check that and make sure. July 17th, it's the game they were talking about last night. It is a Monday night. July 17th, it is a group outing at the Cincinnati Reds. This is just a save the date. There will be more details later. Trace did put together. It's at the the uh, uh, what do you call it? The riverboat deck out there in center field. So we're gonna need a lot of you there. Uh, more details will come out about it later. We're not we're not gonna get into all that now. Trace has still got to figure out a lot of that. But the date and the game has been secured, so we will be there for that. That's again July seventeenth. They'll promote it on Chatterbox Reds. We'll keep promoting it here. Uh, July seventeenth at the Reds game. It's against the Giants, July 17th. It's a Monday night. We will see you all there. Uh, also, like the stream. We are at 44 likes right now. We have almost 200 people watching the show. This has been one of our better numbers as far as show watching in a while. So make sure you like the stream. Subscribe to the channel. The Chatterbox Reds channel is popping off. Or the show is popping off. Everything's doing great. Uh, Reds are doing great. And like the stream. Subscribe to the channel. Drink Pawnee water, get your coffee from UDF, get your technology solutions from Encore, and bet with Betfred. All right, I have pitched the people, Tom, on everything that they need to know. I don't think there's anything they don't need to know. Unless there's anything you need. Well, to no, know. The, only, the only thing, you know, I need to know a lot of things, believe me. I, I All the help that I can get. But thank you for the offer. Uh, listen, guys, all, tell me, I, I bought the Reds hype. I, I'm not buying the hype. Mm, I think you did. No, you bought There's the There's no hype. return you policy, Tom. No, no. You're in. No, no. What I'm saying is my observation is talent-wise, they have as good as, if not better, talent than any team they're competing against in the National League Central. So if you believe that, and I do believe that, if you believe that, then there is no reason why you shouldn't believe that they should be in this thing at the end. I don't care what their schedule is. You know, look, the old adage, 
It's not who you play, it's when you play them. And right now, we can talk about all these tough teams the Reds are getting ready to play. Well, they got to play the Reds. What was the Bengals saying? They got to play us, right? Wasn't that their big thing? They got to play us. Got to play us. And when you got it rolling, you know, Bengals won all those games in a row to end the season last year. You you didn't want to play them. Everybody talked about how tough their schedule was, me included. Were they going to be able to, you know, sort of sail through the, the, the big waves? And get the port. They blew the doors off just about everybody. And so right now, the Reds, they got it going on. They got it going on. What does that mean, Tom moving into the Waffle House? (laughs) (laughs) Steve, this isn't Waffle. I tell you, guy, let's shift gears to the United States Open in golf. Uh, Friend of the program, we love having him on. My goodness, Steve Flesh, you are tearing it up, man. I mean, three tournaments in a row, those ones you just went on, including the PGA, and then last weekend in Madison, you got it going on, man. Is this as well as you played in a long time? It's as well as I've played this year, Tom. Uh, thanks for having me on again, uh, first of all. But um, uh, it's fun. You know, when you get to putting well, like we talked about last week, it, it – it makes the rest of the game easier. I've been hitting it pretty well, but, you know, that Stricker guy, if we can get rid of him, everybody will be a lot better <laughs> off on our tour. But, man, you know, he should be playing the PGA Tour still, like I said, but uh, we're happy to have him. He's, he's, he's just a tough guy to beat right now. But my game's been in pretty good shape. So, you know, you just like you say, I just heard you saying with the Reds, you, you catch the wave when you can out here. And, uh, um, I'm having a lot of fun watching the Reds. I stream them when I'm on the road. You know, I got a lot of downtime in the evening, so I stream Valley Sports and, uh, you know, watch all their games. But uh, it helps pass the days. But uh, it, it's certainly fun to play well. It makes, it makes uh, you know, makes the game more fun. Well, we're really happy for you. And we're really excited how well you're playing and continuing on. When are you going back on the road again? I know you're home right now. When are you heading back out? Where are you going? Go back out to uh, the Dick Sporting Goods Open next week up in New York. It's in a little town called Endicott, where we used to play years ago, the BC Open, it was called. One of the first events, the old BC comic strip. Uh, Remember that in the paper, Mm -hmm. Bloom County, or Broom County. Uh, We play there, and then um, go from there to our U.S. Senior Open in uh, Wisconsin, in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, which... Is in the middle of absolutely nowhere, but um, uh, it's two hours from, I think, Madison, Milwaukee, and Green Bay in the center of the state. So um, I don't know how we're getting there, but uh, that's where we're having our U.S. Senior Open. Well, that's an easy drive up there. I mean, come on. I've driven to Wisconsin (laughs) a thousand times. That's an easy ride. A little on the boring side, but it's an easy ride. And once you get through Chicago, you're gold. Um, All right. A number of interesting things going on right now, including, of course, the U.S. Open. But as it pertains to the U.S. Open itself, I made reference earlier. The L.A. Country Club, uh, you know, there's kind of a mystery about this whole thing, right? Because um, there's never been a U.S. Open uh, on this course. They haven't had a PGA Tour event since I think it was 1940. There have been some certain things there. So a couple of guys have played it. But it's guys that have been around for a while. What are your thoughts on this L.A. Country Club? What are you hearing about it? Well, I'm 
I know about as as much about this new one as as you do. I played it. I want to say ten years ago before they did the renovation. I mean, it's it's in a phenomenal on a phenomenal piece of land. I mean, it's literally right in the heart of LA yep. by Century City. Um, uh, I do know they don't like celebrities there. No celebrity members. Um, it's not like Bel Air where it's a who's who when you walk into the clubhouse of who's playing that day. But uh, LA Country Club, I. Gil Hans did the renovation, uh, who I worked with when I was with Fox Sports uh, doing the U.S. Open uh, events. And Gil's fantastically talented man. Um, he's really got a knack for bringing back what the intention of the original designer wanted. but And, and parlaying that into how far the modern golf ball goes. Um you know, none of these courses were designed for the ball that we play today. They were designed for a good drive being 220 yards. So now with these monsters that, you know, hit it a mile, he's great at incorporating the original intent of the designer with, you know, the energy and the power of these new guys. So it, it looks phenomenal on television. There's a lot of long grass out there, which... You know, I'm not the straightest driver of the ball. That stuff gives me the willies. But uh, um, it's going to be interesting. If it stays firm and fast, like I guess the forecast is not really calling for any rain, it's going to be an exciting open. But it's one of those events where, uh, you know, it's not like watching Oakmont or Brookline or some of these traditional venues, Wingfoot, where you know what you're going to get. All these players, this is kind of a new deal for them because they've never played LACC in its modern state. So it looks really cool. There's two or three par threes that are over yeah. 240 yards, which is one of them's 290. I mean, I think that's asinine personally. But, you know, I've, see, I've seen the holes on TV and they say it's 290. And I'm like, well, where, where's the miss? You know, like... One of the things that makes courses great is, yeah, okay, you got a 290 par three, but there's some place to miss the shot because, you know, you're going to get 25, 30% of the field maybe that hit the green. That might be high from that far, um, not only because of direction, but getting the right, you know, these guys are hitting three woods and five woods, 290. It's hard to hit long clubs that straight consistently, but... I can't wait to see how the USGA sets it up. If they're actually going to play it at 290, I suspect that they won't. They can't play it that that long every day. Um, wind direction, and especially if it gets firm, nobody will be able to hit the greens. But it looks really cool on TV, and a lot of golf courses that look really cool aren't very fun to play because they're insanely difficult. You know, I want to ask you about a couple of those things though that you just touched upon, and that is. Um, um, I, I, I made reference earlier. You talked about the rough, and uh, I read the article where it's Bermuda grass, which is the rough off of the fairways. First time in a U.S. Open since 2005. W what does that mean? Not not to the common schlep like me, but for a pro trying to go there and compete and win. What does that mean? You know, that's a great question because where we live in northern Kentucky, greater Cincinnati. Um, we don't have Bermuda grass. So a lot of people who live around here don't know what that means. Uh, you know, if they traveled south to Georgia, Florida, you know, out west in some places, Bermuda grass is a whole, it, it's basically a weed. Um, 
but it's there's not much structure to that grass meaning the ball falls to the bottom of it there's no support no you know the so to so to speak the stalk and the a uh yeah it doesn't the bottom, prop it up right right it does, like sub right yeah yes thanks for i was trying to describe that it doesn't prop it up so it sinks right to the bottom well if you get bermuda grass that's over two inches long and i think it's three to four out there it falls straight to the bottom of it, and it's like sitting in the bottom of like a grown over bird's nest and one you don't even see the whole ball down there you see like th that it's just a golf ball but you don't see um you can't you can't figure out where the bottom is like meaning underneath the ball is easily so contact is tough but there's so much grass then when you hit it that gets between your ball and the club that you don't have spin control. It's a guess. So you play it kind of like a bunker shot. And sometimes it comes out fluffy and dead. Sometimes it comes out fast and hot. So you have to be really good at reading the lie and just kind of kind of guessing. It's like it's like hitting out of a, a pile of shoestrings. You, you know, sometimes it, that's kind of the sound and the feel yeah. of it. And, it's unpredictable and it's insanely penalizing so you know the grass we have around here it's more predictable the bluegrass what have you or what you know bent grass that we play in the ball there's way more structure to it the ball doesn't sink straight to the bottom of it and it's it's clumpy more than it more than it is like that bird's nest feel so it's just a tough animal and they have they have that off the fairways which is you're going to see a lot of guys when they miss fairways hit shots and if they have the tracer on it they look like they just go out and nosedive because there's no spin on the ball it's so unpredictable and then it turns into what happens to the ball on the ground and i guess at lacc with it firm and fast the way it is it'll just run all over the place so it's going to have a vibe of lynx golf that you see in the british open as well as forced carries where you you know bunkers in front where you got to land the ball on the green and have it stop so I think it's going to be great viewing. I think it's going to be stressful for the guys playing it. You know, I, I can't remember what the tournament was recently. And, I mean, look, uh, Scheffler, the guy's just unbelievable. And you pointed out um, talking about how well you have to putt it in these tournaments week in and week out and how that can save you. Uh, and there was an article written yesterday where Tiger Woods commenting about Scheffler. You know, he never lets a 71 turn into a 75. He doesn't let a 72 turn into a 78, right? Which if, once that happens, you're done, especially uh, in a major. But, you know, I, I can't remember the tournament recently, and, and, and they, they had a shot of Scheffler out on the putting green, practice putting green, and, I mean, he, he is going off on something. And I don't know if it was somebody on something with himself about his putting. You've got a grin on your face. You, you've obviously been in his shoes before. What, what's going on there? For those of us that are sitting there watching it, he wouldn't talk about it once he was asked about it, nor should he. But what's going on there? It, well, knowing Scotty, I don't, I don't, I've only met him once personally, but knowing the type of guy that um, I believe he is, he grew up across the street from my friend Harrison Frazier, who plays on our tour now, and he was one of my best buddies. Um, playing the PGA tour. He plays the champions tour now, but he, he knows Scotty. Scotty was like that young kid on the putting green when Harrison was playing, who was like, that kid's good. Like, and he says he's always been the guy who putted fantastic and hold out with wedges from bunkers and chips in, you know, he's just got one of those fantastic short games. So 
Scotty putting poorly is relative. That be, I mean, he's he's usually better than everyone, but lately, as you said, his his strokes gain ball striking stats have been off the charts good. That's why he doesn't turn the 71, 71 into a 75 or 8, because he's hitting it so well. But normally, as good as he puts, he would shoot 64. So when he's on the putting green frustrated, I think it was at Augusta that you might have been yeah, talking about that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. Um, that putting green right next to the practice range. And it's it's he's frustrated by either one or two things. That his setup feels feels bad and it just feels like too contrived or uncomfortable or he's just not starting the ball online or his speed's bad which is a combination of the two but a guy like that doesn't like to have thoughts because when you're naturally that good a putter you probably aren't thinking a whole lot about your stroke you are literally just focusing on like a free throw shooter you're focusing on the rim he's focusing on the line or the hole getting the ball started online. He's not thinking about technique. Brad Faxon, Ben Crenshaw, guys who are that great of putters aren't mechanical guys. They're feel guys. So Scotty is probably caught in between, I got to figure this out, but I don't want to have to think about it when I'm over it. And that's the frustration because what makes him a great putter is that he just uses his eyes and his feel to just get the ball rolling. Well, he doesn't want to think before he takes it back. Okay, I gotta. I've either got to keep my weight more on my left foot, or I gotta feel like I'm I'm holding the putter more square going through, or as opposed to letting it open and close. That's toxic to a guy like him because he doesn't want it to be mechanical. He wants it to be point and shoot. Throw me the ball. I want to shoot it. And the thing I don't like is, and this is part of the media. That's all the media is asking him right now. What's wrong with your putting? What's wrong with your putting? So now, I don't care how good or how mentally strong you are, you know, it's like asking a guy, what's wrong, what's wrong with your shot in basketball? Mm. You know, you, it's hard to put that out of your head. You know, now he's like, well, everybody knows I'm not putting well. So he's thinking about it. Versus before, he probably was the only one who noticed or felt that he wasn't putting well. So now it's become more, you know, Everybody on Golf Channel I watch, what's wrong with Scotty Scheffler's putting? I'm like, oh, my God, give the guy a break. I mean, you know, but that's the world you live in. We, you know, I mean, it's it's part of it. You live in the bubble of professional golf. But he's caught up in, I know I'm getting long-winded, but he's caught up in the mechanics of it and fighting that because he doesn't want that. He just wants to start making putts again. That's really all he – and he probably – you know, is spending hours on the putting green. And, and sometimes when I'm putting poorly, I go up in the evening, 7 o'clock, 7.30, and I just putt with one ball around the putting green. And I don't make it mechanical. I just want to get my feel back. It's like a guy shooting alone in the gym. Nobody around, nobody to bother me. Just let me figure it out. Just kind of, Some of that time on your own is the most valuable practice time ever. And that's, you know... You miss that sometimes because you feel like you can only practice on somebody else's schedule and do, you know, at, you know, at the, you got to practice during the day when mm -hmm. a lot of times you want everybody to be gone. That's why Tiger Woods played his practice rounds at six in the morning. He wanted to get there before everybody and all the distractions. Hell, he would beat, you know, uh, the people in the locker room to the course at, sometimes. He just wanted to get his work done and be out of there by, by 10, 11 in the morning and go do his workouts and whatnot. And I suspect with Scotty out there during the day and the millions of cameras around and whatever, 
it just focuses more on what's wrong with this game. And it's hard, it's hard to really put that out of your mind sometimes. You know, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, um, I read a lengthy article yesterday, and I can't remember who wrote it, about now the government getting involved and taking a look from an antitrust standpoint with this live PGA world tour, you know, everybody coming together and the news we were talking about, we had you a couple of weeks ago. There are a lot of people, according to this article, that very much believe um, and, and said they had sources inside that the PGA Tour financially was facing some big trouble. And they took the Saudi money because of those challenges. Now, all of a sudden, there are many that believe that Congress is going to step in because they've already asked, you know, hey, we're, we're going to take a look at this. Um, and they're saying... Many believe they're going to say not so fast. And there are already players on the Live Tour that are commenting saying, hey, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but Liv's going to come out the winner on this deal. What, what are you hearing about all this? The same thing you're hearing. Uh, even I'm watching yesterday some of the, the live from coverage about the U.S. Open. And Justin Rose, you know, big players said they don't know anything, it, which is – it's shocking to me that a merger of this magnitude could be announced with so few details. Um, you know, the guys who had live offers on the table, now they say they're going to get reparations basically for refusing and staying loyal. I'm like, well, where's that money coming from? Now I just read an article today that says that live is set aside like a reparations fund for those guys they've offered that I'm like, this is so messy, Tom, that, um, you know, the commissioner of the PGA Tour has a, had a medical condition yesterday where now he stepped. I mean, I can't imagine the stress that he's under trying to get this to work out right. But, you know, the not that it's a conspiracy theory, but the DOJ, who I guess is now, you know, was involved with the antitrust lawsuits and stuff with this. You know, the word we hear is that Yes, the tour was had already had fifty million in money they've spent on this these this lawsuit with the live. That's a lot of dough, uh, and really, I don't know if there was an end in sight. So naturally, I think the PGA Tour is trying to make this end. Who really knows with Saudi Arabia what their involvement is with our country? Whether you know, we I'm sure we have deals with China, we have deals with Taiwan, you know, everywhere. I'm sure we have some sort of financial deals with Saudi Arabia. I'm not so sure the DOJ wants to disclose the findings of opening their books either. So this is the suspected reason for this merger on, on from a lot of the players and some of the tour staff is that they were basically told you guys need to figure this golf feud out because we, we know the PGA tour don't want to open up their books for antitrust. We know Saudi Arabia and the U.S. don't want to open up the books about what's going on there, figure this out. Well, then we think, you know, this was going on for a couple months, uh, the negotiations between our commissioner and, this, and, the, and Yasser Al-Ramayan, the head of the fund, they got scooped. And I don't remember if I mentioned this on the show a couple weeks ago with you, but so they had to. They didn't want this to to leak out. They right, they right. wanted to get ahead of it, release it. 
And that's really, honestly, Tom, other than that, nobody knows any details. I saw where a couple of the uh, Democrats in Washington want this investigated. Um, uh, is it Blumenthal and, and Elizabeth yep. Warren yep. want this yep. investigated? Yep. Well, that has to happen anyway. You know, that I don't know if it's, you know, the DOJ or somebody has to, you know, uh, with with an entity as big as the money in the, the Saudi fund, them merging with any company in the United States has to be approved by our government. So that has to happen anyway, but nobody knows. There's so much gray area here, Tom, that, you know, I read an article too, and, you know, it was, it was, it was like a sports illustrator, you know, not some, you know, just random uh, blog site that said, uh, um, that the live was going to be reduced to just a handful of events and that's it, you know, after this year, you know, and then other, other sites have said, Oh no, it's all lives going to go on through 25 full schedule. I don't think the live players know. Um, I don't know if Greg Norman will be around. I think that would be one of Jay Monahan's first requirements is that Jay, he's not working alongside Greg mm -hmm. Norman. I know I've ramped, touched on a lot of sub, a lot of subjects of it here, but I think what you can notice is that nobody really knows. I, I don't until they figure out all the details. I don't think anybody's really going to know because it was announced with basically we're going to have a merger and we'll figure out the details later. Well, when you're dealing with the PGA Tour and the, and uh, the Saudi fund, it's like how do you not know any details to emerge? So. There's so much speculation about just how it all went down and how you could announce it with, with nobody having a clue, that I don't think they know they they know what's really the the end game is. Other than to touch on your point, I think the PGA Tour didn't want to keep wasting money throwing down this black hole of lawsuits. You know, they've already spent fifty million. Damn, I wish I was a good antitrust lawyer. Yeah, no kidding. But, uh, um. You know what? Hopefully, I can come back on in a couple of weeks when we find out some details, and we'll we'll be able to talk about it. But the gray area is very unsettling for us players, and I'm sure the staff at the PGA Tour and and hell, probably the Saudis don't even know everything that's going on because the PGA Tour's got to approve it, and the, and the Saudis have first right of refusal. So I think we're it's day to day trying to figure out how this all shakes out, but it's it's not a good look. I, you know, I'll be the first to admit that. No, it's not. No, it's not. Well, Steve, we always thank you for uh, for your time and your expertise on everything. Keep uh, keep stroking them. Keep getting those yeah, birdies and pars, my man. All the best. <laughs> All good. Hey, thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. Great seeing you again. You too. Steve Flesh, kind enough to join right, us. Always thanks. great having him and his expertise. And, I, you know, I, I, I just stumbled on um, yesterday. I had not heard about any of this stuff with antitrust and so forth and, and and i was listening to a radio talk show national show yesterday and 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 this was a um, uh, this was a uh, a political talk show it wasn't a sports talk show and um so the person was quite informed with ongoings in congress and so forth and and was making reference to uh congress stepping in when american airlines wanted to merge with JetBlue. Uh, and went into all this kind of thing. And, 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 and of course, they decided they weren't going to let that happen. Um, and, you know, what, what now with Liv and the PGA? And, and I got to thinking, wow, 
I didn't, I didn't know any of this stuff was going on. So I went back and, and dug around a couple of uh, articles. Man, I mean, this thing is a mess. And Steve just said it. I, I mean, I don't, I, I'm not so sure. I know one thing. If I had to be the one guy in the room, right, that, that, that's got all the leverage on this deal at the end of the day, he may not get everything he wants. He may not get anything he wants. But the guy carrying the bag of dough is the guy you want to be, right? I mean, that's the, the Saudis. They're carrying all the money. The PGA is clearly, as Steve pointed out, they spent all this money not wanting to open up their books. Um, and man, this thing has, has layers to it that, that I know nothing about. Steve knows more about it than I do. And you just heard him say, he's not even sure where all this is going. But it makes for incredible intrigue because, you know, here we were um, up till two weeks ago where uh, you had Liv and you had the PGA. Then all of a sudden you have this, theoretically, this merger. And all of the talk and, you know, the repercussions from it and Rory McIlroy and a lot of people believe he's going to play really well this week because that, you know, the, the weight of carrying the PGA Tour on his back maybe is finally off his back and you just go out there and play free and easy, whatever. Um, you know, that's the whole media thing that Steve kind of referred to a minute ago. But this thing, th th this thing is a mess. A mess. Are you guys big golf guys? Yeah, I like it a lot. I'm excited. I usually watch the majors pretty closely. I'm really interested to see how it is because it feels like, <clears throat> sorry, it feels like every tournament we've had since PJ and Liv split, there's been at least to some degree a storyline of two yep. guys getting paired up together or button heads at an interview or something at every major event. So now with them together, you, you got to think that most questions asked by the media are going to be about the merger. So it's going to be at the forefront of everyone's mind. It's all they've been talking about for the last five, six days, I, I think there's going to be something that happens. I don't know what that looks like, whether it's a, you know, a shouting match or, you know, whatever it might be, but, but something's going to happen between, you know, ex-live guys, PGA guys, whatever this weekend. I, I just don't know what it's going to be. Hmm. Any thoughts from you guys about all this? Anybody? Nothing that anybody, nothing that anybody <laughs> hasn't already contributed. Uh-oh. Is my mic off? No. Oh. Nothing that anybody, anything that anybody hasn't already Contributed, I would say. I think it's a, I don't know. It, this is a major time will tell situation. Yeah. Any predictions for the Open since it's officially underway as we sit here right now? You gonna look at the leaderboard first? Let's see take, if somebody's like five under after four. Let's go back to the well on Brooks. Why not? Victor Hovland. Is, Victor Hovland's hot. Oh, you're a big Victor guy. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a Victor guy. I tell no. you what, he won a lot of fans after what he did a couple weeks ago yes, at, the, he did. at the Memorial. For those of you that don't know, he won the Memorial, yep. but he had promised a buddy of his who was trying to qualify for the Open. Yep. Is that right? Yep. They had an Open qualifier on the same course where he won it up in Dublin. And he had promised a buddy of his, I'll caddy for you. Right? Yeah. So I'm he wins good. on one day, and the very next day he's caddying for his buddy. Now that's a big league operator. Absolutely. For sure. Tom. Yo. The Republicans beat the Democrats 16-6 to in the congressional baseball game last That's night. That's not a surprise at all. Your thoughts? All of the, the <laughs> libs, they all go to Hollywood. They direct the big movies. They act in the big movies. The whole, you know, they, that's what they are. All the athletes, I mean, they, they get it. So that's, that's what happened there. It, it, what, three or four years in a row they've kicked their tail all over the I field, I think it's right? three years in a row. Okay, well, I mean, come on. Come on. Not a surprise. You know, you, you just couldn't put that ball on the tee fast enough, could you? 
sitting on that one for an hour and 15 minutes. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, AJ Worth says, Rod DeSantis was one hell of a baseball player. I don't know if he was or he wasn't, but he, uh, I, I think he served in the military, and, um, and that's A-OK by me. I don't care what party you're in. Serve in the military. You're good here on Off the Bench. Uh, we got the Tracer coming up here in a few minutes. Anything in particular? We've not covered the Bengals. Casey? Yes. We've not covered the Bengals. No. Um, I love, some people don't, because some people get way too wrapped up in this stuff. Way too carried away. Okay, comparing this guy, that guy, this guy. I, I just found it so refreshing. Some of the comments Joe Burrow made about trying to knock down the top dog. He acknowledges who the top dog is in Patrick Mahomes, right? Now, Casey, you're already, you got that smirk on your face. Yeah. I love the fact that Burrow, again, he is looking at this not through orange and black colored glasses. He gets it. That's the thing about Burrow. The dude gets it. He's like, everybody can tell me how great I am. But when I look around, I want our team and our success to look like that guy. Two Super Bowl titles, three trips in the last four years. Were you not crazy I, about some of those thoughts from Joe Burrow? No, I. so I even went on, uh, I did a stink list yesterday, Tommy missed it of the quarterbacks. I actually had Mahomes at one. I, I of, went back and looked on Twitter. I yeah, saw it. I yeah. saw it. Because I of, almost fell out of my, uh, <laughs> well, I don't have a riding mower. I was cutting the grass, but I almost fell over, which oh is not God. good near a blade. Go ahead. Well, just despite, <laughs> despite the rest of the, the, the rankings, I had Mahomes at one because of Joe Burrow's comments. That is the only reason why I put him there because what Joe Burrow says it's gospel. It's the truth. Amen. It's written. It shall be done. Let's don't. Let, let's. I mean, come on. Conversely, <laughs> did you see on. what Jamar said about when they told him what Burrow said? They they told Jamar that Burrow said Mahomes was one, and Jamar's response: Hat who? <laughs> That's some good natured ribbing. So yeah, you got one guy on both ends of the spectrum here. Now I want to know Tom because. Within those interviews yesterday, Jonah Williams, I think, was the most interesting out of all. Without what a are, doubt. What are your thoughts on his comments? Well, look, one thing, there are two things that hold true here on Off the Bench on this show about Jonah Williams. I have always said, always said, even during last year, when everybody around the town was all over his ass about him not playing well. Okay? And we were too. But... We always said here on the program, the guy is a gamer. There is no doubt about it. He played through an injury that would have sidelined a lot of people. Dislocated kneecap, passed on a surgery, didn't miss a snap. Injures it later in the year, knocked out. We have always been a fan of the makeup of Jonah Williams. Okay, now, we were also highly critical on this show, I was, about the way he's handled everything since. Okay, now he claims if the Bengals would have just reached out to him, I'm trying to remember exactly how he said he found out about it. He Apple said he found News, out on Apple News. Or what was it? Apple News. Apple News, right. So, you know, if that's true, I got to tell you, 
And nobody in the Bengals front office has disputed that claim. And if I were a betting man, I'd bet the ranch that Jonah Williams is not a liar. Okay? He might be a lot of things. He has never been a guy that you question his character his whole time he's been here. You might question his play at left tackle, but not his character and his makeup. If he tells me that's the way he found out about the team bringing Orlando Brown Jr., when somebody at the Bengals front office could have picked up the phone, called his cell phone, said, Jonah, don't want you to hear about anywhere else. Here is a deal. But apparently that didn't happen. So, you know, he, he, I didn't think handled the whole thing well. I felt like he should have been here for um, OTAs or during the offseason, knowing he's changing positions. But that's the business of football. Okay. Tell you what, he's answering all questions. Right? Right. I mean, as long as you want to stand there in front of his locker, and we're going to have Charlie Goldsmith on the program tomorrow to talk more about this because he's down there. They have, they have locker room uh, time, the media does, from 8.30 until 11.30 with different players kind of coming in and out. So there's no doubt. Uh, and he's been writing about it on Cincinnati.com. But he's been asking many of these questions to Jonah Williams. I, I mean, guy's a stand-up guy. And I love the fact that he said, hey, I got to compete to now try to go win a job at right tackle. Yeah. What did you think about it? I, I loved his comments. Honestly, I thought they were honest. I thought they were genuine. Um, I mean, just you just go listen to it yourself and you go, yeah, this, this is all true. This is, this is genuine. Because he even admits it himself that the initial news, even if it was told to him, he might have still reacted the same way, but gotten over it. You know what I mean? Yep. So he's here now. Um, he's ready and willing to put in the work. He's already said that he wouldn't miss um, the uh, the the not not just mini camp, but tra- training camp right. as well. So he's gonna be there for the rest of this off season. And in hindsight, you know. We wanted him to be there at OTAs, but was he really going to be taking reps? I mean, he was still recovering from the he, – he's on the recovery field right now. He's not even really with the team. Yeah, so. he's not at 100%, but he's expected to be so for training camp. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy he's here. I think he was – it was always him. It was always going to be him if they didn't trade him. They didn't trade him. Let me let me clarify that. If they didn't trade him, it was always going to be him with the money, the play on the field, everyone else's injury history at the current moment. Um, so I'm glad he's there. I'm, I'm glad that um, that has been cleared up. I don't know how, how to feel about the front office, though, and how they handled that situation. That, to me, is like, mm, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, they, they're... Handling what, do you, it the what, best. what do you mean? What do, what do you don't? What, what do you mean you don't know how you feel about it? I mean, this seems pretty. If it's true, and, and we're agreeing it's at least standard. in this conversation, we believe what William said is true. What is it that you you don't? It's standard protocol for them. I just thought maybe it, they would have done a different approach because of the situation that it created. Without a doubt, and that's why I mean I don't think there's any gray area here. They dropped the ball. Somebody down there dropped the ball. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it could have been. That's when you get into probably, I mean, again, I'm not down there. But we've all been in meetings like this or, or around 
you know, Paul coaching staffs, whatever it might be, right? Where somebody thinks, well, I can't do that because there are three or four people above me here, right? You know, that's Katie's job. That's Troy's job. That's Mike's job, right? Talking about the Brown family. And then maybe the offensive line coach, Frank Pollock, is thinking, well, that's all of their jobs, and it's Duke Tobin's job, and it's Zach Taylor's job. So, you know, and, and, and then you could start slotting in every one of those people with somebody above them outside, of course, of the Brown family. But, yeah, I, it, for a guy who you drafted number one, and again, you can be critical of his play on the field, and that's completely warranted at times. He's played good, too. But um, somebody's got to handle that, that better down there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what they did was normal standard operating procedure. But it was a whole different – this is a different scenario, right? You're not, you're not just uh, replacing anyone on the team. You're replacing your starting left tackle, who was your best offensive lineman two years ago. He's a guy and that's really a first over round the player. last four years. Yeah, and it's you're you're you haven't done anything with Jonah. Like you didn't you didn't tell him any plans like at the at the end of the season that, you know, maybe we plan on trading you or anything like that. Like there was no communication on that. So someone did drop the ball on the situation. I don't know if Maybe it was just not recognizing the situation itself. Right. That, that's what the issue I have with it. Well, I but. think we had uh, Jay Morrison a couple of weeks ago. And, and by the way, uh, I, I failed to mention this the other day, and I actually uh, was communicating with Jay. Um, many are aware that uh, The Athletic, the website, which we talk about regularly on this show, um, had a lot of cuts, like a lot of businesses do. Yeah. And Jay Morrison was cut from The Athletic. And... You know, our thoughts are with him. I mean, this guy does a great job and has for a long time covering the Cincinnati Bengals since the advent of the athletic. And, um, you know, we love having him on this show and, and certainly hope that very, very soon he's able to um, find another gig because he, he is deserving of one uh, for sure. But he made a comment that he thinks that Orlando Brown things just sort of fell into their lap so fast. You may remember he said this a couple of weeks ago and that, you know, it all happened so fast that no one could, could either could or didn't think to, or whatever it might be, uh, Jonah Williams. But I, I mean, I love Jay, but I mean, I, we give the Bengals a lot of rope. They've earned a lot of rope, but they don't get rope on this one. Somebody's job is to call the guy. It doesn't matter what time of the day it That's is. That's right. That's right. You, you wake gotta, him up at 2 in the morning if you got to. Yeah. You, you leave call a voicemail. Him. You do something. And then you answer the phone when he calls you. So. Who, who, who gets their news from Apple News? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but that one was a, a, a... Apple News? He might be the only one that uses Apple News. Is Bill Gates like the... Um, does he, you know, make sure that... All has to pass through him. I mean, Tim Apple? I mean, uh, Bill Gates, <laughs> what am I talking about? Right. Tim, uh, Tim, uh, Tim, Tim Cook. Yeah, that too. Tim Cook. Right, yeah. Bill Gates. Okay. Um, why is somebody going crazy in the chat about Ellie De La Cruz going hitless in Kansas City? Is well, that worth mentioning? Well, 
Is it worth mentioning? He is struggling on the strikeout rate, but he's also struggled at every level that he has started at and adjusted fairly quickly. Like the first 10 to 15 games at every level, single A, double A, triple A, now the majors. This is actually his best first 10 games at any yeah. level. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've seen him figure it out at, at every single step of the way. He's figured it out given not even a normal amount of time, given a very small amount of time. He's figured it out making one of the best players at every level. I don't know why we'd, you know, spend a whole lot of time on 0 for 12 in, in Kansas City when, you know, the Reds swept him. He stole bases and scored runs. It's not like he didn't contribute. So, yeah, I, I think it's more or less a waste of time. Okay. All right. He only walked, what, one time, struck out five times in the series, right? It's not, I'm not saying it's but good. They're winning. It's not good, but they're winning. They're winning. Can I, since we're on the topic of just the players in general, you already mentioned it a little bit, but I love Matt McClain. The, oh, dude, yeah. the dude is a stud. No doubt. He's a stud. I, I was just going through some of the stats, right? And maybe this isn't something to, like, fawn over. But out of the 28 games he's played in, he's, hit, he's had a hit in 23. And then he's had multiple hits in some of those games. That's a really impressive stat to me. I mean, that you just – I could just say the number is batting average, right? It's like 336 or something like that, yep. 335. But when you actually take a look at the games game by game and realize that he's – it's not like one game where he's just popping off. He's consistently showing up game after game after game. You love that about a guy, especially on this team. Guy's a baseball player. Oh, yeah. You know what's funny? I was <laughs> some I was uh, sitting there last night watching it, and uh, I forget who it was. I, I don't, it might have been my dad. Made the exact same comment. He goes, "Hey, you know what? That guy's just—he's a baseball player." No doubt. There are some guys that are just like that. Um, they're just a baseball player. I mean, when Cal Ripken Jr. came up, when Alex Rodriguez came up, Bryce Harper came up. I mean, and now I'm not putting McLean in the same category as those three guys because you're talking about three, uh, get in the steroid thing, whatever. With A Rod, they're three of the generational players, talent wise. So I'm not putting McLean in there. But there are guys. Um, it's like Billy Doran, guy who went to high school here in Cincinnati at Mount Healthy High School, played the big leagues 15, 17 years. I mean, outstanding players. He going to the Hall of Fame? No, but I mean, he was a damn good player and you just watch him and you're just like that guy's a baseball player right yes i mean there are certain guys ronnie oster that guy was a baseball player baseball player you know you talk about matt mcclain and i don't know who was with us a couple of days ago when we had tracy jones with us but look they were saying this guy's a baseball player when he came to the big leagues the same thing you're saying about Matt McLean and your dad saying about Matt McLean. People were saying the same thing back in the mid-1980s when Tracy Jones came to the big leagues. Is Tracer with us? Uh, I'm going to get him ready. Okay. <laughs> I tell you, we, we have got some funny dudes in the chat. Our chat in the last like week has gone from... A, a very good chat to just an elite chat. I mean, I don't know if it's new people or if it's just the discussion or if it's Reds fever or what it is, but 
our chat has been on another level in the last seven days. Now, see, I don't know whether to take this seriously or not. Tim Hennessy says, Will Myers, ball player. You know what? Everybody until he put a red uniform on this year would have said that about Will Myers. It's true. Very true. Right? Everybody was on the Will Myers wagon. And I, 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 don't, I don't know what you can do with him now, unfortunately. He's lost his spot on this team, I think. So, and you can't sell him because the value's too low. So I, I don't know what to do with Will Myers. No, but you know what I'm saying about those no, yeah. people in San Diego and Tampa Bay. They yeah. say that the guy didn't wear batting gloves. Yeah. Right? Guy's just a ball player. And he'd go out there and make the most of the God-given talent that he has. And now all of a sudden, Reds fans, and again, you know, what have you done for me lately? His first year with the Reds has been a disaster. Uh, and we'll see where all that ends up leading to uh, when he comes up. Because, you know, Tracy Jones, um, is he there? He's here. Tracer, good morning. You got the hat on regular. What's the occasion today? Well, when I have the hat on like this, maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we won't. This means I mean business. This means wow. serious. Yeah, I've got some decisions to make, and um, there's it's a little shaky. It's a little shaky. It's a tough decision to make. Can we help you with any of the decisions here on Off the Bench? Well, as you know, I'm an open book. And I ask you guys for, for input all the time. Uh, someone wants to borrow money from me. Ooh. One of those things. And that, like, I like to refer to as a slippery slope. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a family member. I've Ooh, already loaned now, now you're walking across the rocks, a creek, and they're covered with moss. Right? I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure because, Tom, you have a lot of money. I'm sure people have come to you. I, I used to have a lot of money. I used to have a whole pile of money. Well, I, and I know you're very generous and extremely honest, too. So I know you run into that situation. It's just I'm not a bank. You know, I've saved. I've been a brokey and, you know, lived in an apartment after my divorce, drove a Hyundai. I've saved my money. And for someone to, you know, it's they drive up in a Mercedes and ask me to borrow money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you you got to live the life. You got to, it's just really tough. It's a family member. And I'll tell you this, and this is really good advice. This came from uh, Jim Lewis, the smartest man I know. I know you know Jim Lewis. Yep. He said, you're never going to loan money to people. You're yep. going to give them money. Yeah. And that's the understanding. If you want to give the money, that's fine. But don't tell me it's a loan because you'll never see that money, in my opinion. So that's well, you know, it's, it's so interesting you bring this up because all of us have been on this slippery slope. Mm -hmm. And Jim is spot on. I mean, if this is a family member, um, and look, I don't, I don't know, you know what family member you're talking about. It's none of my business. It's nobody, anybody's business. But the bottom right. line is, is that, yeah, I think, I think that's an astute observation that, you know, unless they turn that money into something that's just ridiculous where they make a lot of money off of it, and even if that happens, I'm not so sure you're still getting paid back. But what are you going to do? I don't know. That's why I have my hat on straight. I've got to think. I think better with my hat on like this than backwards. What is that so hat? Gonna... What does that say on it? That's, that's y'all's. Oh, y'all's Florence y'all's, you know, that team. And by the way, August 16th, Tracy Jones bobblehead night. So just mark that on your calendar. I'm going to give you, give you guys for free one of my bobbleheads and you can put it right in front of the ham and eggers. So you'll have a bobblehead instead of my, my rookie card. So 
very generous again, giving you guys a bobblehead for free. Now, if I sign it, that's going to cost you five bucks. You know the routine. That's all right. We'll, we'll pony up the five bucks. We'll scramble it to oh, yeah. change off the floor here in this uh, immaculate studio where we broadcast from every single day. We got to um, get him to sign the rookie card, too. What's that? We got to get him to sign the rookie card, too. Has he not signed the rookie card? I don't think so. All right, so we got to scramble up 10 bucks. Yeah. Or do you or do you do like a two for one for like seven? Yeah, uh, no, two for one for twelve. Twelve dollars. Two <laughs> signing. Yeah. I actually increase the pay. But Tom, what would you do on my situation, seriously? And maybe it's tough to ask the ham and eggers because they've got no money. It's like <laughs> squeezing blood out of a turnip. Um, so what would you do, Tom? I gotta tell you, Tracy, I've done it before. So I've been in your shoes. Yeah. Um you, you know what's interesting is, is that is that um, the people you give money to that are not your family who are really in a situation where they need it mm -hmm. for one reason or another, right? Um, yeah. The, the, the only thing that, that, that bothers me about it is that I think, based on my limited experience, I think that... In some cases, not all, because I don't want to throw, I don't like doing that with anything you talk about in life. When they say all people are the, you know, it, it, look, everybody's different. But it, it bothers me where the, the, the people you give the money to that really, really need it, that are not family members, they are so much more appreciative, I think, at the end of the day. I think a lot of times the person who gives the money, and if it's a family member, if they would just occasionally acknowledge that it happened, even yes. if years have gone by or months have gone by or whatever it is, if they would at least just every now and again, and this is just strictly speaking, you know, if they would just say, hey, you know, I've never forgotten that and I really appreciate it, I'd be okay with it. But right. sometimes I think that stuff, does that make sense? It really makes sense. Don't act like you didn't borrow money from me. Someone tells me, okay, I, I sometimes lend hard money where, you know, I know what I'm going to get interest. And if you don't make that payment, you know, there's just some things you can do. Um, don't tell me you're going to pay the money back in three months. And then six months later, I have to ask for the money that I don't feel comfortable doing that. You know, it, you owe me the money. It should be brought up occasionally. Hey, listen, I'm going to get you the money. But just to kind of push it off to the side, and I'm sure it's happened to you, Tom. I, you know, people act like they never borrowed money from you. And I, I think it's wrong because I've never, ever, ever borrowed money from anyone in my life. And going back to my family, who was raised really as far as being very tight, they all, we were talking about this at my mom's uh, funeral. Every one of them borrowed money from me and every one of them paid me back with interest. I mean, well, then, and then, I then, even then, then if that's the case, and why are you worried about doing it to another family member? It sounds like you've actually had good, uh, you know, a good experience doing that. That's my side of the family. Huh. Well, now you're forget the moss. There, there, there is actually seaweed on top of the moss. Now, as you're trying to cross those rocks, that's and a I whole love the different ballgame. Yeah. I love the person, great person. Uh, I want to help. I don't know if you guys know this, but I have a really big heart. 
I know a lot of people think I'm a heartless bastard, but I'm not. I'm very giving. So I want to do the right thing. I've already given 12.5, which is, not, you know, is something. So I have some decisions to make. And I know you've been there. And it would be nice if we had someone else that could chime in. But those four J.O. ham and eggers have <laughs> not a clue what we're talking about. Casey, are you borrowing any money from family members through all of this? Is that kind of lurking over your head if the answer is yes? Um, it does. I, Yes, it does lurk over your head. Yes. Um, you always want to be very appreciative as long as it's not a, uh, a gift. You know, if it's a gift, that's one thing. But if you're actually borrowing the money and you have every intention to give back, the money it does loom over your head um i for just an example of this i actually paid in cash my first car but i had to split it with my dad right i had to split we've all been there yeah very good yep over over time i set up a payment every month send in some money in some months it's a little more difficult to to pay and i had to miss a few months and then i'd catch up you know but as long as I like felt like I was doing a good enough job to try to pay that back, that cloud over my head would just leave. Absolutely. So not that, sure. is, that is an admirable way to handle a thing. I yes, it is. I mean that. Yeah. Now, yeah. how about that, Tracy, the ham and egg well, stepping up? Well, because he, he's making an effort. It doesn't matter if it's $10, $100 or $500. That's right. He's making effort to pay it back acknowledging hey dad i borrowed money from you i appreciate you i respect you and listen time i'm a little tight this month but i'll make it make something yeah. and that that's what you look for you look for effort but just to kind of push it to the side hey that, that ain't right no that ain't right no hey, hey, uh, um, let, me, let me ask you this it's brought up in the chat here and, and i find myself asking these kinds of questions but um Video super fun times. Never seen that member of the chat before. Uh, says, Tracy, can you talk to some of the higher ups in Bellevue about all the potholes in Bellevue? Have you found that, especially driving the kind of automobiles that you drive? Right. Uh, have you found that to be a major problem uh, you know what? in we the friendly confines of Bellevue? Well, look at Fairfield. I don't know if you've been on Fairfield right there by the Bellevue vets and, and so on. And Have you been on that street, Tom? It's really, really busy. There's well, a lot yeah, of but it's been a long time. I mean, I don't get an invitation to come to Bellevue from anybody I know that lives down there. And I really only know one person that lives down there. And, and so, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you. But go ahead, yeah. please. Yeah, the invite's in the mail. But yeah, we've got to deal with those potholes. And when I become uh, president of the HOA... I plan on branching out and getting those potholes filled because it, it is tough. It's it's tough on my Range Rover, although my Range Rover is for that type of uh, uh, terrain. Yeah, so, but your yeah, your wife is driving some fancy foreign, you know, something, right? Yeah, she's. Yeah, I I, I got to tell you what she did. She got personalized license plates. Oh boy. Oh. oh, that's a tough one. She just don't get it, does That she, is Tom? so California, man. That, and I think it's actually very weak. 
And I told her about that. And she's going, but you guys will love the plate because it should be next week when she gets it. And I'm going to show you. And it's rather funny. It's right. Because I was always going to get a license plate, even when I was 17. You know who, right? Because I knew I was going to be famous and a major league baseball player. So I was going to do that at 17. It was just a matter of time that I became a major league baseball player. But how good is that? How good is that? You know, I got to tell you, um, <laughs> your friend from Indian Hill, your good friend Richard, remember him? Yeah. You talk to him yeah. on the radio regularly. Remember him? Oh, I, I know that. Uh, those are the guys I like to hang out with. He says, uh, you know, I bought my son Ricky a Mercedes-Benz G-Wagon for his 16th birthday. Naturally, 16th birthday. He didn't take care of it, wrecked it within a month, make your kids buy their own things, and work hard for it. Lesson learned there. I know. He's, he, he raises Ricky. Ricky's a little spoiled. If you've ever seen him, he's a kind of a nerdy guy, <laughs> but he's spoiled. You know what the license plate says here? Let me, TJ's wife. That's a license plate. T really? Yeah. What do you think? Well, not no, it's not that. I'm just, I'm just. I know it's not. You. She would I, never do such a thing. I know that. Already. Oh, she would. She's a California girl. You know how they're a little shaky, Tom. Well, I, I don't think they're shaky. I, I, I've never said that on the program because I've known uh, a number of women who were born and raised in in Southern California, Northern California, for that matter. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, speaking of. Um, don't you think that Northern California is a little hipper than Southern California? You know, because there's this big rivalry between the two, okay? And I'm not getting into necessarily the San Francisco versus L.A. thing. But as you know, right. as a native Californian, I mean, there is a very real rivalry between those two areas of the state of California. They are so very different. Um, but I got to tell you, I mean, I... I think there's a little something about the no-cow, as they say, crowd. You have any thoughts on that? Well, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but I played for the San Francisco Giants. Do you guys know that? Yes. I, I played for the Giants, and I stayed in Foster City. I'm not a big Northern California guy. I'm more of a Southern California. In fact, what I would like to see, and there's actually talk of this, is separating the state. Yes. Northern and Southern, which yes. I think would, think would be nice because I think Southern California has some great parts of it. Uh, not a not a fan of San Francisco. Of course, I hit a buck 89. I'm sure they weren't very big fans of, of, of Tracy Jones either. But, yeah, I, I, I like Southern California. Tommy. OK. All right. Um, I want to get to uh, something we were talking about with you uh, the other day a little bit. Uh, but I, I want to follow this up because we kind of took the conversation into a different realm today um the reds are a game and a half out of first i know i look at their talent level and the players they're putting on the field are there chinks in the armor yes primarily the starting rotation but i look at the players tracy they're putting on the field i look at their bullpen right now i look at their closer right now and mm -hmm. i say to myself Three weeks ago, 
before De La Cruz comes up, right after McLean comes up. I, I, I would have never said this. But as I sit here today in the middle of June, and I look at their competition, the Brewers, the Pirates, the Cubs, the Cardinals, now 15 games under 500. Yes. I say crazy. to myself, Tracy, the expectation now for me has changed dramatically. I think it's a disappointment if this team does not make the playoffs. You know, it, it's it's funny because time we start thinking alike. I was on last week or even, yeah, talking about trading Diaz if you got three top-notch starting pitchers in return, kind of like the Cueto trade that didn't work out real well. I'm totally changing my mind here. I think you almost have to add a starting pitcher. I think they're going to win this division going away. They've got something going on, and I, I'm going to say this, and I can't believe I'm saying this. This team has chemistry. No doubt. <laughs> Without a doubt, right? You, yep. you can just feel it. They yep. like each other. Uh, India and McLean hit back-to-back -back home runs. Jim Day doing the interview. Those guys really liked each other, okay? If I was there with one of my teammates, I wouldn't probably be buddy-buddy with that like that. I mean, you could tell. Well, they wouldn't be buddy-buddy with me because they probably wouldn't like me. But those two guys act like they're good friends, good teammates, and I think they win this division because this is the weakest division I've ever seen. Right? I can't even name you a division like this. Well, the only Boy, thing that's even close to it is the central division of the American League. I mean, all those teams are mediocre, if not less than mediocre. I mean, we just saw this Kansas City team. I mean, they are awful. Right. I mean, awful. awful. Everybody talks about the A's. I'm not so sure that Kansas City's not worse than the A's. But look, I mean, you know, Paul and you know, Paul was saying that, you know, um, they've already exceeded the expectations. And to this point in time, that is true. But I, I don't think the Brewers and the Pirates are any good, Tracy. That doesn't mean that they all of a sudden can't find a way to get it together, maybe make a move here, make a move there, which especially the Brewers are prone to do. Uh, good, bad, and indifferent. I mean, this time a year ago, they traded Josh Hader to San Diego. Nobody saw that coming, right? Right. So this year, they might be the buyer rather than the seller. Uh, and they still got in the postseason. But, I mean... I, I just don't know how anybody in their right mind can look at the primary competition and say that the Reds should not beat the Brewers or the Pirates or the Cubs or the Cardinals. Well, and you said something really important. You said, you know, you get in the playoffs, you never know. Okay, right? You said that. And I agree with that. Can you imagine as an as a opposing team facing Hunter Green when he's throwing that cheese? Right? That's a tough guy to hit. I mean, he could shut you down in a heartbeat. No doubt. So, you've, so you have a number one, in my opinion. So you start getting the playoffs. The team rallies. They've got really good speed. They've got really good speed, and that's helped them. We talked about this at the beginning of the year, that some of those rule changes with the stolen base was going to help the Reds. We're exactly right. Were they yep. still seven bases one game? What was Seven well, bases. They, they've run the bases uh, better than most teams, if not all teams, in the major league so far this year. They are because they don't hit home runs. We mentioned they've hit the third fewest number of home runs despite playing in Great American Small Park, right? So they're not <laughs> the, the, the danger of teams, and we've seen this before, 
it's like basketball, college basketball. The teams that rely on the three-point shot that have no presence down low that they can go to in nut-cutting time, they're not going to win in a tournament. You got to have both. And the teams in baseball that rely on the home run ball, a big chunk of their offense over the course of the year, is a direct reflection of hitting home runs. When you get against really good starting pitching in the playoffs, as you know, Tracy, I mean, you played the game. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know better than anybody, it's hard to hit home runs off good starting pitching. But you can scratch out a hit, a bunt, a stolen base, going first to third on a single to right. Next thing you know, you got two runs, and the other team doesn't even know what hit them. I like small ball. I was talking to Amanda Brenneman's husband about this, and he likes the whole thing with with the small ball, being able to steal bases. I'll bring a a, a throw up a team. 1986 Cardinal team, Tommy Wright. Remember that team? They had one guy, one guy with power, and that was Jack Clark. All the rest of the guys could run, and that was a tough team to play against because they stole bases. And you said it, when it gets cold in November, you're not thinking about home runs. Those balls aren't flying out. You're right. facing number one and number two. You're, go- you're going to need that guy to steal second base. You're going to need that guy to go from first to third, second to home. And it does become small ball. It's not going to be 11 to 10. And the game totally changes. So I think this benefits the Reds just going forward because I think they've constructed a team that's scrappy. You know, I would refer to, you know how I wear that Long Beach hat? You know, that yeah. Long Beach, that blue hat? Well, they're called the dirt bags. That's right. And it's a compliment, right? They're called the dirt bags because they're real scrappy. It's a scrappy school, you know, with good baseball players. I think the Reds are like that. I think they're a bunch of dirt bags. And I mean that as a compliment. All right. Well, let me ask you this, though. We were debating this here a little bit in the studio earlier. Um, they, they, At the end of the day, they're still one game under 500. I mean, they're playing yeah. great, but they're one game. Okay. Right. So, you know, we were just saying, um, and Jacob brought it up that said, you know, if the Cardinals or the Pirates or the Cubs, um, they, they were one game under 500 and they got players coming out in the newspaper and on television calling themselves America's team. <laughs> right? As a Reds fan, you would be shredding that team. But when right. it's your own team, what are your thoughts about these guys just laying it right out there? Post game interviews with Jim Day. You know, Jonathan India, we're America's team. We're America's team. What do you think of that? I don't know. I, I think you got to watch that, don't you? You don't want to draw too much attention to your team. Players don't like those. You know, you're playing against a team that's always popping off. You kind of kind of gear a little bit toward them. Try a little bit harder. I just, I think you just kind of go in, oh, we're not that good. We're not that good. And then we take two of three. We take three of four. I, I wouldn't start calling the Reds America's team. Because then you lose five straight games. Are you still America's team? Slow it down. Slow it down. Slow it down is right. And and let me throw this at you. Let me throw something else at you because I know you guys have talked about it. And I just want to straighten you people out because I played the game and you didn't. And I see things that you don't. You know, it's a a great point. You see things. Forgive me for not pointing that out. Thank you. Go ahead. Listen, Joey Votto has 63 at-bats in AAA. Am I right on that? Yeah, he's but, I mean, buck. most of those were his first stint where he wasn't healthy. But, but, but yeah, he, he, he does. He's hitting a buck 59. When Joey Votto is called up, and I expect him, you know, 60-some at-bats, that's getting some reps in. He's going to play. 
I, I want you guys to understand that. He's not going to be a bench player, but he's going to play, and he'll probably play every day. I know people don't want to disrupt the chemistry, but with Joey Votto, uh, he's going to play. So that just give people a heads up because there's been talk that he should sit the bench, occasionally pinch hit. Uh, he's going to play. Okay, but let me ask you this uh, because you bring up a great point. Any day now, not only could you bring Votto back, you could bring yep. Will Myers back. You could bring Nick Senzel back. Guys during the course of their career, when healthy, as I, that caveat was Senzel. But Myers, Votto, Senzel when healthy. They're used to playing Tracy all the time. Just write their name in the lineup and move on. Right. Talk about the pressure uh, maybe for David Bell, the pressure that would uh, there would be in the clubhouse. Because look, this is like the relative, like who doesn't want to talk about? Oh, I, you know, the, you, you lent me money, I'm not going to bring it up anymore, right? But, I mean, th th right. there's that un there's that undercurrent there inside of a major league clubhouse uh, where guys are looking around and going. Why are they putting that guy in there? I don't care what he's done. It's a what have you done for me lately kind of gig, right? That's exactly right. And that's what they're going to say, some of the players. I don't know if they'll do it with Fado, but they might with Senzel. I mean, who sits the bench? Do you start, you know, have platooning players? I mean, this is going to be really tough for David Bell. And to keep that chemistry going, because you've got, I think you have like four position ball players that could be on this club here in the next couple of weeks. Yep. I mean, that's yep. a really tough decision. And you know what? You're probably, if you, if you don't see this person, this player coming back from AAA in the future, you're probably better off trading them because that can really disrupt the, the, the chemistry because someone's not going to be happy. Is Sinzel going to be happy playing every th third day? I don't think so. But well, I, think the, I think the bigger challenge is going to be for Votto and Myers because they are guys that have played a long time. Uh, and, and, and wherever they've been, Votto obviously only with the Reds, but Myers, Tampa Bay, San Diego for a long, long time. His name was in that lineup every single day. I know. Now, Senzel, you know, he's missed a lot of time with injuries through the years or, or didn't play well enough to really earn playing time. Uh, but... You know, guy like Will Myers, Tracy, I mean, you've been in this position. You know, all he wants to do is get out and play and try to play better to get another contract. He's on a one-year deal here. Right. You know what I mean? He wants to continue playing. So there's nothing wrong with him feeling that way. Um, but, boy, the, the, the problems you can create in that clubhouse, like you said, with a good vibe going right now, that's a delicate line to walk for David Bell. Okay, let me throw in another player. When's Encarnacion going to get the call. Well, they, I mean, another million-dollar question. You know, Thirty home runs, right? I mean, sooner or later, he's, he's on pace for this. sixty home runs. I think, oh, right? Okay. Yeah, sixty I mean, home you, runs. Why isn't he in the big leagues? Right? I mean, it's like he's he's got to worry about himself and get to the big leagues. What else can he do? I mean, does he need to be projected to hit 70 home runs? I mean, he should be in the big leagues. Where does he play? I don't think he's a third baseman, though. I think he's a first no, baseman. No, no, I think they can move Steer back over to third. And they, or they play Dela Cruz there, and they, 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 they DH. You know, you just tell Stevenson, you're catching. And, and, and people will be like, well, it's not when you said when the season started. Well, no kidding. 
because your expectations <laughs> were a little bit different. Now they're a little different. We want the best yeah. players on the field, the biggest games of the year from now till the end of September. And if that means Encarnacion, Strand, and Steer got to alternate at first to the DH, and Stevenson's tail's got to be behind the plate every single day, I think Stevenson would be fine with that. I think the dude wants to catch every day anyway. Yeah, I, I just, I just, and I'm showing you guys a lot of courage here by coming out. I made a mistake. I mean, it's tough for me to admit. I thought this team was really going to struggle. I didn't think the players were very good. I didn't think the pitching, starting pitching was very good. The bullpen was shaky the first month. But boy, I, I was wrong. I think this team actually goes, wins the division going away. I think those teams are that bad, and the Reds are just skyrocketing. Well, the and, only and way that's going to happen is, is if they could find a way to get the starting pitching straightened out. Because sooner or later, third most innings in baseball out of this bullpen, uh, that ain't going to continue. No, but not if you're, not if you're leaning on him for five innings and four innings every single game. Yeah, it sure yeah. is exciting to watch. This yeah, it really is. Out. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Tracer, have a good like weekend. It. Keep that thinking cap on. Uh, we're thinking about you here. We're thinking about you. Well, thank you guys. And, and just just not to knock San Francisco and, and what I did there. They did retire my 25 number. So, yeah, so my number has retired. And I'm very appreciative to that. Boy, for some reason, you know, I thought somebody else you know wore 25, who wore 25 there. Tom, right? Who else yeah. wore 25 there? San Francisco. I don't. Barry Bonds wore 25 there, I think. Who? <laughs> I, was, I was 25 before Bonds. All right, boys. Tracer, have a good day. Have a good weekend. See, See you guys. Hey, buddy. Have a good weekend. Tracy Jones. Yeah, he's right. 25. Retired. Tracy Jones. Uh, we have a cherry on top, Tom. I saw where you promoted it here in the chat. Oh, it's fantastic. Brought to you by United Dairy Farmers. Here we go. Officially bought it. Look at that. Drew Garrison put out a start with the clutch Photoshop. <laughs> bought the hype. I Tom. just wish my physique looked like that. <laughs> that's big time. Who did that? Drew Garrison? Yeah. Drew Garrison. Drew, that's big time. He has moved to the very front with tomorrow's uh, crowning of the. That's right. The, right? The power rankings for the chat. Power rankings in the chat. And Jacob, this is on you this week. It is. It is. I have Any good pressure? List. You, you good? good you got some notes? Oh, I'm good to go. I've been, I've been paying attention. Okay. Yeah, we're getting picky for the first time in a while after the show today. So we need 20 more likes for Jacob to eat a cricket. Whoa, 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 whoa. Or sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> he didn't sign up for that. Elliot to eat a cricket. We Elliot's get 100 likes. Well, you know, another Paul used to eat crickets. <laughs> the Paul in the Bible. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. I mean, no you know, problem. so Elliot, you're, 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 it's a good, good company. Lead you're following. Good company. That's exactly right. To be clear, I am not eating a cricket with you. Ja so, but we're, we are clarifying Jacob is the one eating the cricket. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, Jacob is. This, this, seems, this seems ridiculous. We need 17 more I took a I took a pie to the face. The least you can do is eat a cricket. I, I will eat a cricket also. 
about okay. that? All right. We'll eat two we'll crickets. Both, we will both eat a cricket. Frozen or alive? Dude, oh, the, the time the, is out. Time is out. No, 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 we have not too picky. No, 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 out. we have not too picky. Uh, oh, I beg your pardon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. First time in a while, Tom. We're getting picky. So. All right. Well, we, I'm glad you're back. Yeah, it's been a little while. Yeah, it has been. All right, fellas. Uh, tomorrow, I want to remind you, we have, um, hopefully, if our technical issues worked out. We tried him a number of times. Um, Chris Welsh, yep. outstanding TV analyst uh, for the Reds broadcast. He is set to join us. And uh, that'll be right out of the gate tomorrow. So 10-15, right after the monologue. Uh, Then Charlie Goldsmith uh, has been down at uh, minicamp for the Bengals all week. He will join us at 11.30. We'll figure out what else. We're going to have to fill some time tomorrow, boys. Reds aren't playing tonight. We'll come up with some stuff. Well, we got some big – It's a Friday. We got some really good guests coming up soon. I mean, you go through ruts. When you're working the phone and you're working, you know, the text and everything where you're trying to get guys to come on the show and you're reaching out. Maybe you haven't talked to them for a while. I'm not going to throw out any names yet. Uh, but, man, we got, some, uh, we got a chance to have some really interesting good guests coming up next week. And we got good guests tomorrow. So, um, Casey, you rallied. I rallied. Yeah, have you forgotten what happened at ten oh one today? Oh, <laughs> I, I try to put you those rally. bad memories. Uh, uh, I, I'm a compartmentalizer. Yeah, I, I forget about those. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. Okay, um, Case, great job, Paul. Likewise, Elliot, Jacob. Um, not too picky's coming up. Yeah, we're gonna here. Do we it. go. Have a great day.